0: This podcast is brought to you by Meteorate.
1: Welcome to Off the Cuff with Kel, Conversations from the Front Line, a podcast and live show for survivors and the leaders who support them. I'm your host, Kelly Humphreys, a survivor of child sexual abuse, advocate, author, speaker, ambassador, a lover of all things outdoors, with over 15 years of law enforcement experience. Please support me in my mission to break cycles of abuse and trauma. You can help by donating to my Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash Kelly Humphreys. Hello and good
2: evening, guys, and welcome to another episode of Off the Cuff with Kel. Um, I am so excited tonight. I have my beautiful old friend, Justine Dean, the machine. She's back. How are you going, Kel? I'm so excited. Thank you for jumping on tonight, Justine. You're welcome. It's been a little while since we did Grow and Glow, but I certainly grew and I certainly glue. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to make up my own words. You know me. Yep. <laughs> um But, guys, I'm just really excited to have Justine on tonight. We've got a really cool topic that we're going to address. But just before we do that, I'd just like to give you a little bit of a reminder that some of the topics that we talk about Obviously, um, we tackle child sexual abuse and some of those things can be quite triggering. So if you do feel triggered by any of the content, guys, just reach out. Um, But there's also some some numbers on my website at kellyhumphreys.com. So um, but moving right into tonight, um, I really wanted to tackle because Justine is the best tackler of sabotage. In fact, every time we catch up, uh, she always pulls something out of her endless like little hat and um just throws it at me and completely like you know tackles my blind spots and she's just the most incredible person to do that which is why i would wanted to bring her on for this sabotaging through survival um i do it i still do it that's why i have friends like justine to say hey
0: But <laughs> well, i still do it too all the time i've always got to check myself
2: yeah Hmm. Yeah, but that's why you need, like, good, honest friends who can speak the truth in love, um, you know, who you respect and you listen to because, Hmm. you know, there's a lot of friends that I have that tell me stuff that I don't listen to. (laughs) So, yeah, but, you know, I guess um, one thing I think is really important is, um, you know, for people like myself and you, Justine, we've had our lived experience and actually just recognising when we sabotage and what that actually means like sabotaging itself is like purposefully or sometimes not purposefully destroying something um good even and sometimes not even it's not good but you know the fact that um you know we make a mess of things because we think we don't deserve it right
0: yeah i think um when we start to, like, the word heal gets thrown around a lot and it's starting to be a bit kitsch, but it's kind of we're healing from stuff that happened to us when we were little or younger. Um, when we start, to, when things start to feel good, because we're only used to chaos or we're only used to fear or we're only used to being treated badly or, or a certain way, um, being safe doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. So we will actually create a situation where we stuff it up and we and that's what sabotaging is
2: yeah yeah and I think like we we had a bit of a chat earlier today uh Justine and I about um just a couple things we might cover off because guys it is off the cuff We, we don't have a script or anything like that but I do like to know a little bit about what we might be talking about so I don't sound like an idiot um but you know there's there's a theory by uh dan siegel actually which um is, is a theory of chaos and rigidity right so um when people are dealing with trauma they either exist in one of the two spaces of chaos or rigidity chaos being like the world is crazy everything around is crazy there's always drama um you know you, you see these people all the time that have relationships and sabotage them um they're onto a new partner already you know it's so there's always so much stuff going on and you're just like oh my god, right? And then vice versa, you've got the people that completely withdraw. They're very um, isolated. They don't talk to a lot of people. And very rarely does a survivor sit in the middle, in the in the space of integration. Like we often, um, like our brains, Justine, uh, you talk about chemical cocktails all the time, you know, always trying to get this, this homeostasis, like this balance, right? But often survivors who haven't done the work will ping pong between like this rigid space of completely withdrawing and not being okay to being in chaos, um, but very rarely in the middle. And like, we all crave that safe space. But as you just said, when we find it, we often-
0: We don't know how to be in that safe space. Yes. Yeah. So we, we don't, it's, it's an identity piece. We don't know how to be at peace. We don't know what safe feels like. So, What's unfamiliar to us, so when we are in a safe situation or something good is happening, um, we're actually more on high alert because we're used to, in the past, if things were quiet and peaceful and safe, that meant we were literally on the precipice of an absolute shitstorm. So (laughs) we react um, with suspicion you know, why are they being nice to me? Um, this is when all the imposterism stuff kicks in as well. You know, if you're walking through your, your life um, with the lens of I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, you know, a few more sets of lenses. <laughs> Hang on. Um, when you're, so as a survivor, you're walking through life with a dozen of those pairs of glasses on. You're looking through all these lenses of bad stuff that's reflected about you. So, you can't not choose things to go pear shaped. That's why people end up in the same relationship, same kind of toxic relationship over and over again, because they're still wearing these glasses. So, the piece around healing is taking the glasses and going, Right, I've been looking at life through these lenses. That's actually not true. That's not true about me. And so, we take those glasses off and we start putting the right ones on, and then we make better choices and we stop sabotaging ourselves. But the bit in the middle is where we're really uncomfortable when things are safe because it's so unfamiliar and our brains would prefer us to get back into chaos quickly because at least we can predict the outcome. That's why we sabotage ourselves because we know what the outcome is going to be, even if it's painful, even if it's distressing whereas when does that make sense
2: oh hell yeah like yeah,
0: yeah. That's
2: what I, you're always right justine <laughs> 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 like I, I just i know and i always get something when i have these conversations with you and it's just so you've taught me so much like from the time that we've, we've known each other what like three four years now mm. we must be more than that yeah um but even when I had you as my coach um you know you you just really were so clear on on so many of these things and it really brought home um <laughs> my blind stuff and how I was I mean I was doing the same things right because I hadn't um been able to see that for myself and sometimes you just need someone like you know who can see those things and say hey like maybe mm-hmm. this is what's going on this is what you're doing and you deserve better than that because I, you know, had the thought, well, this is just how it is because my structure and what I felt like a, a good or normal relationship was, was like it, is
0: is not what it was. Mm. Right. So I had you're to you're look through through the, Yeah, you're looking through yeah. different lenses. But you know that sabotage doesn't just play out in relationships. It's one of the bigger, bigger ones and one of the more mm-hmm. visible ones, but it also plays out in addictions whether they're, you know, big and, and concerning or just small and disruptive it also plays out in the way that you handle your money it also plays out in the way that you take care of your body I spoke at an event um a couple of years ago and a woman came to me and she was easily 40 kilos overweight by her own admission and said I just want to find a partner I want somebody to love me for me you know I don't I shouldn't have to lose this weight and I said to her do you love you for you Yeah. She she said after the fact that it hit her like a sledgehammer that that was her protection and she stayed bigger and kept yo-yoing, you know, 30 and 40 kilos because she didn't love herself. So she was sabotaging herself by staying bigger so that she couldn't get hurt but that there was that yearning inside for a partner. So it can even turn up in parenting. We get triggered by our kids. Sometimes um, survivors don't actually uh, have symptoms because they're very high-functioning until one or both, you know, one or a couple of their kids turn a certain age and who that child is at that age, depending on their gender and what they're going through at school, can trigger someone and then the sabotage kicks in. It is absolutely fascinating.
2: Yeah. And I, and I mean, I've noticed this in myself, like I'm someone to proclaim, like, you know, I have done a lot of work on myself, but I have noticed, um, as I've gone through how things show up at different times and that can be really confronting, you know? Um, and it's not easy. It's definitely not easy for, um, parents. And I have a lot of parents that come to me all the time and they're really questioning, um, you know, what's going on with their children, uh, you know, particularly if their children have had a lived experience and how they're parenting their children. Um, so it gets really difficult, doesn't it? So mm. um, you know, and I mean, I'm a stepmom now, so I've got a little bit of experience. But you know, I didn't give birth to those things, <laughs> those babies. I'm like, I can't even imagine that, right? Um, but yeah, like you know, you talk about imposterism a lot, and I don't think a lot of people realize how prevalent it is in. Uh, Our journeys and and our
0: healing. Yeah, absolutely. Just going back on the parenting piece, because I I dropped out there for a sec, um, we learn to love by how we are loved. So we learn to love by being loved. We learn to love ourselves and we learn what love is. So as survivors, you know, when we were little people, there wasn't anybody around to teach us how to love ourselves in a healthy way or in a good way. Um, And so then we become parents, and when we become parents, it freaks us out because we're like, oh, I'm going to make sure that nothing, you know, that my kids don't go through what I went through. Yeah. Uh, however, we actually are missing the bit where we, we sort of need to be, we need to reparent ourselves. You know, I, I wish my kids grew up with this version of me because I'm so much cooler than I was when I raised them because when I raised my kids, I was in chaos. I, I was... Um, really struggling, I was under attack from uh, a couple of my abusers and um, I wasn't the mother I deeply wish I, you know, could have been for them. But I didn't know how, like I didn't love myself and I was just doing what I did, you know, like we fumbled through parenthood and we beat ourselves up so much about it. Um, but the more work I did, the better parent I became. It just ended up being way on the tail end of, but I still don't ever think it's too late. You know, kids are pretty forgiving. Uh, yeah. It's about us forgiving ourselves more than anything else as well.
2: Yeah, and I think um, you you would have heard my mum and I have our mm. um, big conversation. It was beautiful. And, oh, I just, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I can never imagine how hard it would have been for my mother to yeah. have to go through that situation um, as, as she did. But later and now having the conversation, there's so much um, healing to be done just in being mm. able to have this brave conversation about what actually happened and, you know, um, the things that we thought about each other and that we were trying to protect each other. And meanwhile, <laughs> protecting
0: each other by being silent, like that doesn't work, right? Well, um, we make assumptions. We yeah, make assumptions. Right. We put assumptions and perception in there. You know, I can't talk to them about it because they'll get upset, so I'm not going to say anything. But the other person, it it doesn't matter what your intention is, it's how it's received on the other end. So silence can actually be rejection, be received as rejection or criticism or judgment. And it's not until you have the conversations that you can open up, you know, quite often some really beautiful stuff.
2: Yeah, and that's what, like, that conversation was the first time we had it, so, you
0: know that was amazing to witness that's one that i'd highly recommend everybody goes back and watches it's just beautiful
2: yeah like the conversation that we should have had like 30 years ago
0: <laughs> But you can't show so, on yourself you know it's like when we get to like i was talking about regrets okay we regret the way so sort of when you get to the stage where you're at when you're starting to heal is that we start to have regrets about i should have done this i should have done that i should have had that conversation i should have know it's like we're sitting at the top of the should tree we've fallen out of it and hit every branch on the way down and landed in a pile of should right and that stinks being in that situation um so it's about going okay well i i I didn't you know i'm not going to beat myself up about it because survivors are really good at beating themselves up
2: yeah and they're good at staying stuck like in the same pattern so I really love your chemical cocktail analogy that you've used. So I'd love you to explain that again for our listeners because it's just so powerful in understanding mm. how we often feel things even when there's no
0: stimulus to feel it. So yeah, I'd, I'd love you to explain that. So our memories are actually recorded as chemical, co- I call them cocktails. Yeah. And so we think in pictures. You can't feel something unless you've had a thought that, creates a picture. And the thought in your brain, um, I'll use an example like smell memory. So when you smell a certain smell, and it might be like my grandfather's tobacco, I smell his, that a smell, all it was was tobacco, right? And it was a common one. But, and and there was no threat around me, but the smell triggered the chemical memory. And so the very same chemical cocktail that gets spat out by your brain in the moment of an event um, that's unpleasant is recalled in an instant because it's attached to the smell Um, and then I had this massive panic attack and breakdown so you know when you're healed down the track once you've done the work and you either somebody's name comes up or you smell something or um you know you feel a certain texture And you don't have that reaction it means that you've broken that chemical connection to the memory
2: yeah yeah and and i think that's what's really important because um and i know we've had conversations like this before because moving moving through this sabotaging behaviors either because what happens is there becomes this point and i spoke about probably on almost every podcast right um even with michelle uh last week um when we get to that point Um, of being able to move through it there's something that happens and there's that chemical process where there's this unleashing and I call it my shame wash or whatever it's like oh my god what is that like what is this thing I'm feeling my palms will get sweaty my heart starts to race and then I've got a choice right I can either move through it or I can go oh my god it's too hard and just shut down and I actually just flip myself back over into that same cycle again and I actually don't move through it so I don't grow I don't heal I just you know Put a lid on the top of the coke bottle and let it kind of like build up, and nothing changes, right? And nothing happens if nothing happens. So, you know, we've got that choice at that moment to yeah. do something
0: to move through our healing. Something and, different. That's 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 right. Why? Yeah. So there's that sabotage thing. Yes. We will feel the feeling. So we'll we'll see somebody will talk about the person, or we'll hear a phrase that. um, the perpetrator used to say or we'll have that memory right and what we do when we're little people is that we adopt um, coping mechanisms or strategies to cope at the time and that um, so we actually flip back into that and in that moment where you feel that holy shit moment and this is bad and I'm triggered you can either go back to those coping strategies which for some might be eating, smoking, drinking, sleeping, running, freezing, all of the things, right? Or you can make that decision, which is what you've just, just described. The reason that we tend to go back to what we know is what I said earlier, it's safer because we're afraid. We're just so full of fear. We Nobody's shown us how to do that. Nobody's shown us how to sit with it because you can't, uncover what it is you're running from completely until you stop using the coping mechanism that you've used all along Mm -hmm. so when you're tempted to eat just put the food down and sit with it but sitting with it on your own is really scary and that's why it's awesome to share it with someone who's skilled to support you and then show you how to be a different version of yourself because this is about changing your whole identity um, and that's that's quite a big umbrella, but it is. It's about changing who you're being for yourself and who you've had to be in order to survive up until now.
2: Yeah, and, and I totally get that because I think often um, making the decision to change what has, because you've got to recognise that it's a pattern first, right? Mm, mm. And, and oftentimes we can't do that for ourselves. It takes having a Justine or um, you know somebody in your life who can say hey why do you always do this when this happens yeah did you know that you do that mm. you know we're we'll not take... aware that's right and we don't realize and I, I say this a lot too is like the things that served us as children right which which get got us through like mm. I, I'm the world's best disassociator right like not, not by any fault of my own. Like I, I didn't plan to be able to fly outside of my body, like with superhuman powers. I mean, it's so great because like I can wear my armies on the outside, and it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's better than wearing them on my head. But you know, the, the whole point is a lot of people don't understand disassociation, and basically, it's the whole act of separating your mental self from your physical self. So when abuse is happening, you're kind of not really present, mm. and it just makes it you know i'll say easier to bear is probably maybe not the right terminology but you get
0: through it you survive yeah. right? well our oh. subconscious mind um is working desperately to find out a strategy that works to keep us safe mm. and when we're not in control of anything else our subconscious mind can take over the wheel and then it separates us from our current reality so yeah we end up doing that as an adult
2: yeah mm. and, and we don't know that and like I, I I get really upset, actually, really emotional sometimes about this, and it's hard because I don't realize I'm checking out. Right? I, I don't realize, like, if I'm tired, that I sort of just slip out of my my mind and I'm, you know, not really present. You could be having the best conversation in the world with me, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, no worries. I and you're there. There. Yeah. I'm not there. And yeah. Not there. Hello. You know. Um. And and it takes someone going, hey, like Kel, like. Did you hear what I said? I'm like, yeah, I had everything. Can you say you know, like, but it's it's not by any fault of our own. And I think oftentimes, you know, when we see these patterns of behavior, they're not necessarily right, but they served us at a time, you know, and but then what we do is we see it and we don't know how to fix it, we don't know how to change it, and we beat ourselves up for that thing. Um, before we've given ourselves the chance to find a new behavior or um, get the healing or be able to do the work in that space to change the cycle, right? Um, and I, I, I shared in a recent, one of the recent, I can't remember, but I talked about our pathways like old creek beds. Um, we, you can never change the flow of a creek, right? The original creek bed is always going to be there. You can fill it in, you can do whatever you want to do, and you can make a whole new creek. But when it floods, so when we get like massive amounts of stress, we are always going to default back to the original pathway. However, if we've really worked hard on these other you know, pathways, we have a much more, let's uh, say, a greater chance uh, of being able to go quickly intervening with the behavior and going, OK, cool. I know what I have to do here. I've got the strategies and I can I can change this really quickly. And so you're not getting stuck back in this uh, process that didn't serve you anymore or doesn't mm. serve
0: you anymore. Mm. You know how you were saying um, if we really work hard, one thing, I've, and, and this is just my truth and my experience with yeah. the clients I've worked with over time, um, is that, Habit forming. No, 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 no. The, the perception is that um, people believe that healing is hard, or doing the work is hard, because what happened to them was really hard, right? And that the way that their life has unfolded since the event has been really hard and horrible and frightening and shameful and all of the things. And so, there we create this perception that. That healing and doing the work is going to be awful that you know it's and it's actually too big but it's not it's not hard if we look at it as um it's you know i think it's just about getting the message across that it's actually not hard if you do it the right way, if you do it with the right support. You know, you're talking about earlier, you know, I, I didn't know I was in my pattern, about disassociating as well. Like Disassociating for people who haven't done it before is no different than um, driving 20 kilometres and stopping in a light and going, shit, I don't remember the last 20 kilometres, did I ride in a red light? How did I end up here? You know, that complete separation from your current reality. Um, we think healing is hard because everything else is being really hard and it is hard if you're doing it on your own
1: yeah and i think it's actually i'm so
2: glad i'm so glad that you said that about healing not having to be hard because yeah. um we, we we do this with everything uh and, and and the thing is we're always exhausted right like and i and i kind of want to tackle this somehow maybe not in this podcast but i'll just touching on the fact that, you know, we're always fighting to survive, right? I always talk about this thing about fighting um, to get through it and fighting to, like, survive and fighting to heal and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, I just want to say stop fucking fighting. Like, stop fighting. Mm. You know, you don't have to... You're not going to drown.
0: But we don't know that. And here's... here. This is a great segue. I was listening to that... I was listening... uh, I love the way that we talk. I'm like, oh, oh my so good. I I actually was on a train on the way back from work years ago when Miley Cyrus first brought out her song. Um, and the lyrics were I always thought I would sink so I never swam. And I got off the train and did a live on the spot. If we all if we believe we're gonna drown, why the hell would we get in the water? That's right. And so If we And so this is, you know, with the sabotage, it's the same thing. Like I said before, it's predictable. Even when things are going good, we're going to stuff it up because we don't have that support there. Generally we've been alone since the event and we've felt like we don't matter, Mm.
2: you know,
0: so I'm alone in this. I don't matter. Like all of those limiting beliefs that just we pile on ourselves. Yeah. So... Why wouldn't we sabotage ourselves? Because we're not we're not worth it. We, we, we shouldn't be feeling this good, you know. Um something must be gonna go wrong soon. Like surely something's gonna go bad, right? Because it always has. Because it always has, yeah. And so what we do is we create a shitstorm because we know that because we know the outcome. When but when we when we uh, I keep coming back to doing it alone? Um, I, I think it's important for people just while we're on this because
2: I, I've, I've had a few people reach out actually about off the cuff um, and just thanking, thanking me for putting this on, which I'm very grateful for and I'm so grateful for the feedback. But one thing that's coming through is I just have been feeling so alone and I, I just, while we're touching on it, just, I just want to like, Statistically, and I, and I and I don't want to undermine anybody's experience by saying this, it's it's about one in three women and one in five men who have been or had a childhood sexual experience um, before the age of fifteen. And mm. I just I just want to say, even though you may not have ever shared your story, you're certainly not alone. Mm. Um, and I and I just really want the listeners out there to understand that there is a way forward. And you know, we have these brutally honest, truthful conversations um, in the hopes that you can find yourself in their conversation and recognise you don't have to do this by yourself. And mm-hmm. most of the time we choose, we choose to do it by ourselves because that's the way we've always known and that's the way we have survived. It's the way we know how to trust because we can trust ourselves, right? We we know ourselves and we know our behaviour. But when we uh, put our faith in somebody else, um, and often we will choose to put our faith in somebody who will let us down, um, again, in a, it's sabotaging behaviour. We don't mean to do it, but we don't believe anybody's going to be there for us because that's traditionally how it's played
0: out in our life, right? So... Yeah the, go ahead, okay. yeah, the other piece is that um, as that this is where imposterism ties right in. If we don't believe that we are worthy of good support, we will choose someone subconsciously who will let us down. You know, we're less if, if, if yeah, look, imposterism is feeling like you don't belong, feeling like you're unworthy, feeling like you're a fake I've had clients who have said, you know, I haven't, and they're, they're in their 50s, I haven't spoken up until, up until now because I didn't feel like my, the thing that happened to me was bad enough.
2: Yeah. You
0: know, I didn't, and and they've lived their whole lives just so messed up, had messed up lives. And when they finally start to talk about it, um, and particularly in a group environment, I find that really, really good because you can see people just going, oh my God, you too? And oh, wow, that's how I felt. And sharing in a group environment is really um, incredibly beneficial. And I think people get better results that way because if somebody's asking a question or sharing their story just one-on-one, yeah, it can be really valuable in the moment. But if other people are there and listening in a forum environment and you're asking a question or you're listening to somebody else's question being answered, the gift in that is that many people benefit from that. And yeah. so people don't feel so alone um, and they, they learn so much and they have that community support around them and realise that, um, you know, in a, in a curated safe space, it's actually really wonderful and it's very freeing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And look, I <laughs> I don't know if anyone can pick this up, but I do a lot of healing when I do these uh, little off the cuff uh, podcasts. Like I, I find myself in 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 this just speaking it out loud and having like really powerful conversations with people out loud has been so important. And um, I hope that that's what other people experience when they listen mm. to these conversations, because. Mm. Um, you know, and that's why we have a question and answer at the end. So if you do have questions on that note, like make sure you're dropping them into the feed, wherever you are, um, whatever platform you're listening from, um, because we'll we'll tackle some of those questions at the end. So don't be ashamed, um, you know, write in whatever you want to hear. Justine and I will um, be happy to answer any questions mm-hmm. that you have. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But, you know, like uh, I, this imposterism, I think, Justine, I'll have to get you back. Um, to just talk about imposterism because even uh, as before I started uh, Off the Calf and we are on episode, this is episode number six. um, I was so scared having, coming back and doing this again. And I I couldn't work, I couldn't work it out uh, exactly what that was about. But I I was shaking. I was so nervous um, and I I was like literally finished and I had a little cry. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, Humphreys, what is wrong with you? Like, you can do this and you know I definitely struggled with um, this whole imposterism thing and not being good enough and um, why should you know why me and but I know this is my calling right I know this is what I was born to do and this is my my legacy that I'm leaving so I'm, <laughs> I don't want to be letting myself down here and I don't want to be letting anybody else down so um, you know I continue to show up but I, it, it took me a while um to get myself back to that place and realize that you know what I, I do have this and I can back myself because yeah. Look,
0: it's it's like driving with the handbrake on sometimes that's what I, I think self-sabotage is you know you're in a really nice schmick car yeah you're not in a lemon you're in a good car <laughs> and uh and you just put the handbrake on every now and then like it's an ongoing thing. Um but moving forward you know forward is forward. And learning about yourself and why your brain works the way that it does, why the way that you behave, that you do, why you sabotage yourself, um, learning all of that stuff and just being um, curious and being gentle with yourself. I love that. Is really important. And, you know, we all, we all stick the handbrake on from time to time, you know, and even when you've done a lot of work on yourself. Something can happen and pull the rug out from underneath you, something completely unexpected. But I promise you, growing and learning and opening up and being vulnerable and looking for the right group of people to hang out with and share with is so much, it just makes you feel so much lighter and so much better Mm. uh, than not doing the work and staying afraid. Like it's that first couple of steps where you're like, shit, 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 because the only evidence you have in the past is having possibly reached out and had someone not believe you or reached out and had the wrong person give you advice based on their perception. You know, like it's so it makes perfect sense that we're scared to start doing this stuff and scared to start talking to people because of the evidence that we have in the past
2: yeah I I think if I could just add something in there Justine I had a random thought and you know I might struggle to put this together (laughs) oh you love my popcorn brain people um but I'm just thinking you know a lot of times when we're having these conversations like uh, this is my lived experience was and unfortunately I didn't feel safe to talk to anybody because um obviously my, my sexual abuser was my uncle and I was only you know eight nine years old um I would actually ask him, right? Because it, it, you, you've, you've got the the restoration of this good, perfect, wonderful, caring uncle, but he's still a bad person, right? He's still doing this shit stuff to you. Yeah. But you want to to you kind of try to test um how far you can push things or or what you can say. And I would often ask him, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that this isn't okay. Like you know, um, I I don't think God would like this because you know I I wasn't a Christian so much as I did believe, but I wasn't really sure what that was either. But I I kind of knew in myself I was like this isn't right, and I'd say I don't think this is right, and he's like, well, don't you think God would want us to love each other, right? So he'd like shut that down and he'd like manipulate and completely, yeah. you know. But then that was my experience of telling somebody that and it was someone, like that, you know. And so when I Kind of like as I move forward, and I know this is a lot of people who have tried this. I like, I feel like survivors are like turtles, right? So they stick their little head out of the shell, and then they're like, "Oh, it's not safe," and so they quickly like, you know, put yeah. their head back in, and and they test the waters of whether or not it's a safe person or not, and you know, if it even kind of like smells a little bit bad or like feels yeah, like, really gone. Bad, like no way, hell no, and yeah. So, but we're testing on all the wrong people, you know, because
0: we well. Sometimes
2: we don't know. Yeah. Sometimes we
0: don't know. Like I, yeah. I um, told my mum when I was four. Yeah. You know, I told my mum you should be able to go to your your mum, and yes. um, yeah, it it didn't go well a couple of times, um, and so, you know, we, as I said, we, you learn what you live. So if you have lived confiding in the person who, you know, is your primary caregiver or someone, you know, that as a little person, you know, we should be able to go to our parent or our, you know, to someone that we believe cares for us and so we've reached out and we get squashed or shamed or silenced, why on earth would we reach out again? Exactly. Why would we do that? And so that's what starts that pattern of um, hyper independence of I'll do it myself. I'll just keep quiet. Yeah. I'm not worthy. All the things.
2: Yeah, and and I and I guess where I was kind of trying to get to was that you've kind of bridged the gap, but then as adults we still continue to that do, behavior, and yeah. like we we kind of reinforce our own belief um, by not talking about it because it didn't work before, even yeah. though, you know, they weren't the right people, you know, because you could pick five different people and they'd all have a completely different response to what you told them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we kind of stop at the first one and say, well, it didn't work the first time. It's like when people go to report and they're like, oh, well, I reported this, but they might have told one police officer on the street that's not making a report, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, well, I reported it. I told somebody, well, did you go and actually physically make a report? Like. There's a big difference. And I think we kind of just stop it the first time because, like, if it doesn't feel like it worked or it didn't feel safe, or you know, you've stuck your turtle head out and it started raining, and you're like, oh, maybe not yet. I'm not ready for this. And so, yeah. Well, there's
0: the whole other part around um, the shame of it. And, you know, when somebody gets to the point where they have the courage, because it takes enormous courage.
2: Yeah, it does enormous courage to show up and to um, you know continue to ask for help. And I know asking for help is very difficult. Um, I I mean, it took me quite a long time to you know tell my mom. And when I did tell my mom, um, she obviously that was when she revealed that something had happened to her. You know, mm. um, and she hadn't told anyone. that was that was that was hard you know so when we do share our stories it also gives other people permission to start sharing theirs so yeah you're you're totally right i know um justin keeps dropping out on honestly guys but um you know it is such a powerful conversation to be having and um sabotage looks different for all of us we all do it um especially when i think um we're getting to that place where it looks like we're going to be really successful, or we're finally getting to that place where like, Oh my god, yes, I've got this. You know, like I'm really worried at the moment because I've taken leave and I'm all of a sudden about to start all these really cool things. And um, you can obviously see me showing up more, but every day I'm second guessing myself, going, Oh my god, can I do this? Can I, you know, and that's why I've got people like Justine in my network and, um, you know, pulling on the strength of, of the friends and the people who are part of this community, that continue to show up and support. So for those of you who are um, listening and, and part of the show and, um, you know, continue to drop your questions in and your emails and letters and everything, I, I really appreciate you guys. I, I couldn't do it if I didn't get the feedback. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to speak to an audience of nobody. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, it does matter. And I do appreciate um,
0: you guys tuning in and, and being part of it. I think the other important thing is um, I would encourage people to ask questions and there's no question that's too big or small because inside of us answering somebody's question, other listeners will get so much value. You might um, inspire someone to report or, um, you know, what they hear as an answer to your question might make them feel less alone. It might make them, you know, have more courage around um, seeking support You just never know the gift that you are um, to other people.
2: Exactly, exactly. Mm. Um, Which, and, you know, we've talked a lot tonight, um, well, particularly you, Justine, about doing group work and the power Mm. of, you know, having these conversations. So I think it's a really timely moment to announce um, that we, uh, well, Kelly Humphries uh, is running a 12-week course, Justine. Um, The amazing Justine Dean is going to co-facilitate. She's going to come along and help Mm. run a 12-week course for survivors, um, which it's not finished yet, but I just wanted to plant the seed with you guys and let you know that it's coming. Mm. I know I've been talking a little bit about it very briefly in some of my posts, but when I went down the coast uh, and you would have seen some of my beautiful pictures from the south coast, New South Wales, I got to hang out with Justine and her beautiful husband and her puppy dog and we, well, basically I got hammered on how I was self-sabotaging and I got the full Justine Dean machine-like treatment Um, but I tell you what, the woman uh, refuses to let you wilt um, and strips you bare and forces you to grow up and put your big girl undies on or big boy panties, whatever. That doesn't sound right, Um, but it's very exciting. So um, the plan is eventually there'll be women's course, then I'm going to replicate it for men Mm -hmm. uh, with some tailored things for men, specifically um, partnering with some male survivors, and we're going to roll it out for different parts of the community. So there's lots to happen. It's very exciting. Um, It won't be just Justine. I will be partnering with two other amazing coaches um one's uh dr Sher, psychologist and um we just got to confirm with the lovely mary um so she does a breath work and facilitation of um meditation and those types of things which i'm terrible at so i'll be very excited um but we're going to do it's full comprehensive course which will give you all the tools that you need um, and I know it works. And the reason I know it works is because I did it myself and I'm the most cynical bugger there is. It works for me. I know that there will be transformation for you as well.
0: Yeah, I think the um, what I <clears found throat> when I went through and looked at the framework that you've put together for this group course, I thought, shit, if that was around when I was in my mid-20s or even early 30s, it would have saved me so much Um, (laughs) so much rubbish over the years you know I would be I still love who I am now but it would have been so supportive of me like when I read your framework I just got so excited yeah
2: Justine I don't pick junk (laughs) I I just know by working with Justine myself um, and just our conversations like I'm very particular about who I want to take on this journey with me and um I, I guys, I I'll tell you this, right? And I'm gonna Justine's challenged me. she challenged me, and I have a video blog of my entire journey and she's challenged me to put them on YouTube. Now I listened to my own video blog and I had myself in tears because I, I have gone through so many journeys and so many lifetimes since I I did this and I'm kind of really mad at myself and I feel free to give me an uppercut. That's fine. Um, that I haven't got this out sooner, but I've had to, I guess, go through my own journey to feel and be ready to be at this point because I'm not going to allow you, if you come join me on this course between Justine and I as co-facilitators, we're not going to allow you to talk bullshit to yourself. Like you come on this course, if you want to do this with us and I'll, I'll take you through a webinar, you come on this course. We will tell you the truth. Yes, the truth hurts, but be the truth in love from a lived experience, two different experiences, two different women, two different, slightly different generations. Um, Boy. <laughs> <laughs> but I just know because when I finished this course, guys, like it was like, I'd taken a mountain of back, rocks off my back. And I, and I was like, I don't wanna say too much, but you know, dancing like in the rain, I was crying, I was laughing, and it was just the most epic release I've ever experienced in my life. Mm -hmm. And I will just stay tuned. If you're not in the women's support group, join the women's support group because I'll be doing a one-time offer um, for the people in that group only Mm -hmm. for the first course, right? So jump in the women's unscathed support group um, because you guys will be our uh, ambassadors, our our um first people to go through um so in a couple of weeks i'm hoping to have it ready in a couple of weeks so please please jump on board um i did you want to say something just yeah i
0: did i did you know just listening to you talk about how um like how I i call you out on stuff and how i don't let you um bullshit yourself
2: well, I love it because you don't, like, let me get away with anything. <laughs> it's the only way that you grow when you've got people in your uh, network who um, who you trust, who are in the arena with you doing the
0: work. Yeah. Who, yeah, can totally call you out on it, right? But being called out, like, it's not a threatening thing. I think some God, people, some right. people think, oh, God, you know, so basically, the people who love and care about us and know about what's going on with us throughout our life often will not ask the hard questions and will not. Um, they will allow us to sell ourselves our own bullshit story because they're afraid of hurting us, and they or they may not be skilled. They might not know how to handle our reactions. Um, but if if we are if we stay comfortable and we're not pushed to look at things differently, and we're not asked questions that sort of inside of our own answers make us squirm and realise stuff, then we can't sort of have the breakthroughs. So, you know, when people say, you know, I'm going to call you out, and I'm going to be firm and that sort of thing. Um, it does feel like being hit by a sledgehammer. But then it's like, but you know, it's this. A and a long then long. yeah, so you, well, it,
2: this is what's going on and this is what we need to do let's yeah, do this yeah. together and, and that's the other thing we're talking you talked about groups justine like so many of us don't want to do this on our own right um so that's why we've got lived experience we've mm-hmm. got people who've done this and gone through this and um you know there'll be support groups there'll be q a's there'll be all sorts of stuff. Um, where you can connect and, you know, it's safe, right? You can ask anything and, you know, you can ask anything to me anyway, guys. Like I just tell it how it is, right? There's there's no BS here. Like mm. I don't know, I don't know. Um, and, you know, I'll find out or I'll find someone who can answer the questions. And yeah. I'm always extremely honest. Um, so there's, there's nothing you can't ask. So, mm. you know, I love it. And I love showing up with Justine. It's always fun. <laughs> you know
0: i had someone say to me they watched one of our other podcasts on grow and glow and they said how can you smile through this and how can you smile through such difficult conversations and i said you know what because we know what's on the other side of it
2: yeah
0: we know what's on the other side of it we know that you know there's we've both heard some pretty awful stuff and lived some pretty awful stuff but we know what's on the other side and that's why we're smiling
2: yeah mm. but it's not just that i think it's also just the fact that you can be completely yourself when you know that the other person sees you hears you and and totally understands and gets it like mm. i don't have to pretend i don't have to cover anything up like i don't have to be anything when i'm around people
0: there's no bells and whistles with us mm.
2: No, that's it. And I and it's I love fun. that. And yeah. And that's the kind of people I want coming on the journey who are willing to have no bells and whistles too, right? Mm. Like because that's where I think the growth happens. It's where the joy happens. It's where community happens. It's it's where transformation happens. And mm. you know, I, I think I said it a bit earlier, it's it's that almost a surrender.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a, a surrender it's
2: to the that. process. Yeah. But a commitment to yourself that you matter and you are worth the the effort, the feeling yeah. and the effort. Um, but it doesn't have to be
0: like such a big effort because it actually is easier. Yeah. Once you surrender, it gets easier. Yeah, there's so much effort in resistance. There's so much effort in not you're feeling and not allowing yourself. Yeah, because you're fighting it. But yeah. when you when you yeah. And the other important thing is that our brains are actually wired for community and Absolutely. connection so women washing, the well. pardon? women washing at the well okay that's weird but I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, I um
2: like we're designed to come together and have conversations and the women like back in the day would come down and wash i,
0: think, I know i, was, I was, was just saying
2: like, oh stop it don't do that to me <laughs> <laughs> um a little special brain just does not okay on, that's
0: on. what I'm saying. We are actually wired for connection, but one of the things that survivors do is reject connection. Yeah. There's that hyper independence. That there's that, um, you know, and there's trust and shame and all of that.
1: Yeah. But so, but,
2: but that's that being seen. Hey, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. That vulnerability and being seen, and that's yeah. where power is. It's so beautiful, and it's so powerful when you are with other people who just get it right?
0: Oh, do you know, I, um, I've i done some group work where I've ended up ugly crying. And I actually think I do it better <laughs> than anybody else. And people look at me and their perception is, well, if she's crying, I can cry. Next minute, everybody's like a whole box of tissues is gone. But the release inside of that and being able to cry together in empathy and understanding is like, I'll use the word powerful a million times, is phenomenal. It's incredible. Because you're also um somatically release your nervous system has just been like this you know for decades sometimes um having that full body release because we store trauma in our nervous system you know um is also really a big effing relief yeah it is
2: absolutely Hey, I think I've already dropped it a few times. I try not to, guys. It's just, look, I'll get out of it and I'll really apologise in advance if I offend you with my Ah. off-the-cuffness. But, yeah, look, just just quickly, guys, like um, I I plan to get one pancake right first, so we get the women's course done first, and then I would like to replicate this for men, Mm -hmm. teenagers, um, the Indigenous community, and for the LGBTI community. So... Mm -hmm that's my that's my intention don't hold me too closely to that until i get the first pancake done um but then i I do intend to roll this very same course out uh five in five different um target areas so um and the first course i'm hoping um to get going within the next six weeks so that's that's hopefully going to happen very soon so um I've, I've just learned some new technology so i'm hoping to get it done even a little bit quicker but i won't drop that in too much yet don't let me talk out um but yeah so there's just a couple of questions justine um your chemical cocktails come up again um and knowing when you've healed that it's no longer that you're no longer being triggered but is there a way to get through that chemical cocktail um Yeah,
0: um, one of the most effective um, things that, or one of the modalities that I use is timeline therapy um, and NLP processes. So we're talking to the subconscious mind. um, And that is a one-on-one process that you work through with someone and the results, that's why I became an NLP practitioner because about five years ago um, I'd gotten to the stage where I'd tried you know, a new modality, which was that one. And I had such powerful results. It literally disconnected the the synapse between the event and my reaction and it just cuts it. And so the chemical cocktail didn't get spat out anymore and I stopped having that reaction. So I actually went straight from that coaching program and went and became an NLP practic- master practitioner. And... Um, that is one of the most effective. They use it for people with severe PTSD. Um, and I found that one of the most effective methods. There are sure. other methods that's the most effective. And it's phenomenal. I had someone message me and say, I have just seen my dad across the road normally. And 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 he said to me, I've just seen my dad across the road. Normally I would start trembling and, and vomit and cry. And he said, I just looked and went, oh that's him and then kept walking and he said that the the impact of that on his life moving forward was absolutely incredible so that's the feeling different is you you see the trigger you feel nothing it's actually broken the connection between the chemical response and what should normally happen
2: that's really powerful
0: it is incredible
2: i hope you can bring some of that onto the course for us (laughs) yeah um, cool and and is that the same way so there's just one more question there um, about short circuiting sabotage so when you know and you're aware of it uh what some of the techniques are that you can do it yourself
0: well when you know when you know what you're doing you just stop in the moment like am i reaching for food or let's use food for example it's like you know if you're an emotional eater um and you find yourself diving into a bag of chips it's like hang on a minute why am i doing that what has happened? So ask yourself, what's happened to make me feel like this? What is the truth about this? What else could be true? What else? What else? Until you sort of, because you're saying to yourself, your subconscious mind is immediately gone, right, I'm going to play all of the old things. I'm not safe. I'm not worthy. I'm not all of the things. So I'm going to jump back into that sabotage. So it's about stopping yourself. There's so much power in the pause. Stop. What's happening that's making me go off like a frog in a sock? What's the truth about this? What's really the truth? Because sometimes when we're little and something happens, we make a decision about what that means. We've got the emotional maturity of a carrot and we have made a decision about ourselves, right? (laughs) Right. I should have been a comedian but think about it you've got a four-year-old little girl something happens and she's gone okay this is what it means and it means that 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 and that and then we whack all our glasses on and then we go about the rest of our life That's carrots and the carrots yeah
2: (laughs) oh I love it and but you're so right like you know as kids we and and you know I think another good podcast for us is how we tell ourselves stories and what we make up about ourselves and You know, the story that we tell ourselves, which isn't actually the true story, but it's a story that makes sense to us at the time and helps us survive through that moment. Or it's the assumption that we make, you know, I talked about it with my podcast with my mom, right? Um, You know, that I told myself a lot of stories because of the silence that was between us that neither of us wanted to acknowledge. Meanwhile, we're just protecting each other, but we're too scared to talk about it. But the stories that I told myself was maybe she didn't want to talk to me about it and maybe she didn't care. And you know, of course my mom cared, but like it made much more sense to me to tell myself a story about it, mm. you know, and, and that doesn't help because then there's this fear that gets created around it, right? I'm creating my own stupid chemical cocktail or bullshit that doesn't exist, right? Yeah, but we do that to ourselves, right? Um, So yeah, but look, I think we've got, Justin. we're just about to run out on time, but I think we've got time for one more question. Um. But what would be the first steps to tell your story? Like, how do you find the people, the courage to actually take those first steps towards actual healing?
0: When you found the right group, and I'm, yeah, when you found the right group, you just tell your story. You just, you know, you could write it down first, but sometimes when you do that on your own, that can be too overwhelming. If it feels like it's too overwhelming to put pen to paper, find the right group, find the right person. Because sometimes, as I said before, we'll share with the wrong people and it ends up going pear-shaped. If you're in this group and you're listening here, jump into Kelly's group and start to tell your story and listen to other people's stories and take your time and be really gentle with yourself.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, look, hey, there's a live podcast that runs every second week called Off the Cuff with Kel. Yeah. Drivers get to share their stories. So if it's something that you really
0: um, and it's, it, it is, Yeah, and it's about just staying in the conversation. Just stay there. Just get into that space with these people and just stay there. And just you can do it. Just breathe and just stay there and then you'll eventually start to unfold and unfold and unfold because you're safe.
2: Yeah. I think one thing we do is we just make it so big in our head, right? And we, we've talked about this throughout tonight's podcast. Is like we just have this idea of what it looks like, but actually it's it's not. We just we just create this big, like, mountain for ourselves to cross when it doesn't have to be like that, mm. you know? And I think we set ourselves up like, like that our entire life mm. and um, we get to the end of it and go, fuck, I didn't have to fight that hard. I didn't have to. Like I, I made it about the wrestle and I'm and, you know, we talk about making it about the journey. Well it doesn't have to be there is beauty in the journey for sure, you know, and and it is beautiful because we grow, we're like these butterflies, or we're kind of grubby, right? And we're wrapped up in a cocoon and then we come out as butterflies and then you know that whole journey part in the middle, that's important, but it doesn't have to be a fight. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think the butterfly comes out quite as well if it's had to fight to come out as an actual process. So, you know, be kind to yourself and be gentle to yourself, guys. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be tough. Um, you know, try not to make a battle for yourself and make it any harder than it has to be because it's already bloody hard enough, right? All right, guys. Um, well, I don't want to go, Justine, because I absolutely love chatting with you. Um, but yeah, but we are at time. But I do know uh, Justine's not going anywhere. Um She will be back and we will have more conversations. Thank you for joining us. Um, Guys, if you like the content, I really would value your support. If you could please um, consider heading to my Patreon uh, page where you can subscribe to Off the Cuff with Kel. Um, I will be doing exclusive interviews. Justine and I had a chat today earlier. So there's some extra content there for you. I'll be uploading. Um, but your subscription helps me to pay my website, uh, guys, to upload all this content to my website. Um, it just kind of helps this show to run. So if you value the content, please jump on board. Um, thank you again for supporting. Thank you for your questions and your feedback. It really does make the world of difference. Um, and I look forward to seeing you guys again in two weeks time. Thanks
1: guys. Thank you so much for being part of Off the Cuff with Kel. Breaking cycles of abuse and trauma is not something that can be done alone and requires all of us working together. Your support makes a huge difference. If you've found the content of this podcast valuable, you can support my work through my Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash Kelly Humphreys. You can also find me on all major social media platforms. Through my website, kellyhumphreys.com, you can contact me for speaking in workshops as well as purchase my first book, Unscathed Beauty. If you found any of the content today distressing, please reach out to appropriate support agencies in your country. For emergencies, contact your local law enforcement agency.